Welcome to the Lucky Let Cord Podcast, a Tennis Now production sponsored by Tennis Express. I'm your host, Chris Otto, coming to you on a balmy day six from Wimbledon. Temperatures expected to rise as high as 31 degrees Celsius. It's going to be a hot day, probably capping off what has already been a hot week at Wimbledon. We've got third round action on the men's and women's side. We'll be done and into the round of 16 after today. But before we get there, a lot of exciting matches, including Rafael Nadal, the number two seed against Alex Dimonor of Australia. We'll also see Alexander Zverev, Juan Martin Del Potro, Novak Djokovic, Nick Kyrgios, Kanish Akori, all in action on the men's side. On the women's side, we'll see Simona Halep, the top seed. We'll see former finalist Anjali Kerber, former quarterfinalist Dominika Silbakova, as well as Ash Barty, Yelena Ostapenko, and Daria Gavrilova of Australia. Speaking of Australia, we've got a special guest today. His name is Matt Trilope, who writes for Tennis Australia, Tennis Smash, Roland Garros, and the Aussie Open, among other things. Matt's going to be here to talk with us about all things Australia, as we have five Aussies in the mix today, and a lot of them with very high hopes from reaching the round of 16. So let's get to that interview straight ahead. All right, special guest today on the Lucky Let Cord podcast, Matt Trilope, who writes for Tennis Australia, Tennis Smash. You write a little bit for Aussie Open, Roland Garros. Tell me what else you've been up to, Matt. <laughs> yeah, it's a few, it's a few hats. Um, a little bit of social media in there as well. Um, you know, getting getting some color from around the grounds and covering the Aussies, and um, also a little bit of writing for Australian Tennis Magazine. Uh-huh. So keeping the print journalism hat on there. It's good. It's been really good. Fantastic. And uh, you're Melbourne-based. Yes. So I'm very lucky that I, yeah, born and bred in Melbourne. So having a, having a Grand Slam in your, in your home city, I'm, I'm pretty fortunate. And you've, the last time you were home was when? <laughs> Mid-May. So I left for Paris around uh, just before the week of French Open qualifying. So I've been gone for, yeah, getting close to two months now. It's a big stint. So, yeah, but it's good. You're a warrior. <laughs> let's talk before we get into the Aussies, because as we talked briefly, it's Aussie heaven right now. There's a lot of good stuff going on, and we can't wait to get into that. But uh, six seeds on the women's side going out in the first two rounds at Wimbledon, an open era record. A lot of people have different takes on it. Mm. You know, obviously the depth take on the women's side is 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 a, is a very smart way to approach this one. What are you talking about? Um, yeah, I probably see. I probably see it from from both sides. I haven't been. In the last couple of years, I feel that the WTA has kind of stabilised a bit. I reckon there was a year, however long that was, 2015 or 16, when there were so many upsets and it was always carnage. But I reckon in the last year or two, it has kind of... There's a peloton, I've heard people refer to it as, this group of eight or ten players that there's not a clear number one, but most of them are going pretty deep and being a bit more consistent. Um, this year at Wimbledon seems to have been a bit of a reversion to, like, the carnage of those other draws. But at the same time, when you look at who's left, you still have Venus and Serena, Angie, um, some other people kind of outside. Ostapenko, Simona and Pliskova are still in, but people outside that top eight or top ten who were still excellent names themselves. And you have people like Barty and Osaka, and they're all in there too. So even though we've lost these big names, there's still tons left. So I, I don't think the draw has really suffered too much. Um, and some of the players that upset... Like, I watched the Makarova match against Wozniacki. She, she played great. And she's former top 10 herself. I feel that the Kavitova loss and the Svitolina loss, they, they were probably 
they were bad losses, but some of the other ones have perhaps been uh, understandable. Right. Well, mm-hmm. I, I'm a little bit disappointed to see Petra and Garbina mm-hmm. go out just because I like to see a defending champ in there yeah. kind of holding that, that title defense for mm-hmm. a little bit. You know? Yeah. But there's tons of intrigue. You're right. And, mm-hmm. and, the, and I think by far the women's draw, for me, personality-wise, talent-wise, is deeper than the men's. Like, there's just... There's still... I'm looking at what's happening in the third round. There's so many good matches. And speaking of one, let's let's talk Aussie talk a little mm-hmm. bit. Ash Barty. Yeah. Never had won a main draw match at Wimbledon before. Mm. And now she's into the third round. Look, I mean, it's a good surface for her. Let's not it's... kid ourselves. And now she's facing uh, Dasha Kazakina. That's an exciting one. Talk about that yeah. a little bit. Well, I think it, um, it favours Ash probably just because I would, I would say that Kasakina prefers clay. Um, maybe if this match was happening at the French Open, you would give, you would give the, um, the favouritism to, to Dasha. But um, I think Ash just looks very, very comfortable. She's um, played two rounds. Her match against Jeannie Bouchard yesterday was, was excellent. She played because Jeannie's playing at quite a good level. Mm-hmm. Um, having come through qualifying, she was on a four-match winning streak and obviously knows how to play at Wimbledon. Um, Ash did Ash did a great job. Serving great. She's got time on the... She seems to have time, even on a quick surface like grass. She seems to have time to set up and ex- uh, kind of um, use her variety because she has so many shots in her in her book. Um, yeah, I, I would give the edge to Ash. I know she has no prior history at Wimbledon. You said she hadn't won a match, but we know that she can play on grass. She's one grass called tournaments. She's a Wimbledon junior champion. She can do well on this surface. Yeah. And this year, last year, she came in with a lot of form, but she drew Svitolina in the first round because okay. she was unseated. This year, now she's in the top 20 herself. She's been afforded a slightly easier draw first up. And um, and she has taken advantage of that. And yeah, uh, she, she looks great. And to be fair, uh, only two appearances prior in Wimbledon. And the yeah. last one was 2012. So this yeah. is kind of like a new chapter in her exactly. career. Exactly. This is phase two. Or 2.0, yeah. as they, she's referred to it as. Yes. I, I did a tennis abstract, came up with 18 and 7 lifetime record on grass. She just she just won Nottingham, right? Yeah. she um She's actually got the best win-loss record on grass of any player on tour this year because you also throw in two wins at Fed Cup earlier this year Australia played Ukraine on grass in February so she right. got two singles wins there and then I think she's 10-2 and two or 12-2 and two on Oof. grass this year so she's she's um, she's um in great touch okay and we, let's switch over to the men's side because yeah, there are Aussies there. Aussies are plenty there as yeah. well. I'd like to start with Alex Dimonor, and I don't, yes. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right. Yeah, that's correct. Is that, I think. Is that good? Yeah, he is a feisty player, and, and mm-hmm. he's broken new ground here. He's into the third round, mm-hmm. so um, a lot of people associate him with Leighton Hewitt. Maybe they play similar styles, and Leighton is kind of mentoring him, mm-hmm. but not officially as coach. Can you talk about the the connection between those two, and then maybe after that, talk about the people who aren't getting spoken about that are helping him? They yeah. probably get very little credit because everybody thinks it's Leighton Hewitt. Yeah, well, um, I mean, I think Alex has Alex has got a slightly interesting backstory um, that he spent um, equal parts of his um, childhood in Spain and Australia. Um, he has Spanish-speaking parents. Um, he was based, I think, in an academy over there. So he grew up on clay, had a Spanish coach, is fluent in Spanish. And yesterday, actually, after we spoke to him with the Australian media, there were quite a few Spanish media wanting to talk to him because he's playing Rafa yes. and he can oh, speak yeah. Spanish. So he's now doing dual... This is, I think he said, it's the first time I've been requested for two languages from the press. But, wow. So slightly different to Leighton like that. Demonor has grown up, he is playing a lot on clay, but has a game that's nice for all surfaces. But there's a lot of similarities with, with Leighton um, in terms of like the competitiveness, the speed around the court. He's so gritty and an excellent match player. Seems to, at a very young age, just like Leighton, knows the right shot to play at the right time. Seems to have a real innate 
tennis brain hasn't yeah. had to just yeah kind of knows instinctively the right shot to play when to pull back when to go for it returns excellently just like Leighton did um yeah so they, they, they do have some differences but yeah Leighton's definitely been mentoring him probably for the last I don't know year and a half or two years working quite closely with him but the Spanish coach his name escapes me at the moment but he's still working with him Ivan Adolfo Adolfo yes that's correct okay. so um yeah they're, they're, he's still working with him as far as I'm aware so um, there's a, he's got a really good team around him, and um, yeah, he's just he looks great. And another player that's coming in with tons of form on grass. He um, reached the Serpentin Challenger final. He won the Nottingham Challenger final. Yeah, qualified at Eastbourne, yep. and now he's won two matches here. So he's got like 13 wins on grass yeah. or something. Okay, massive and, form. And then you'd say it's his. I watched him a little bit yesterday because we could watch him from the media balcony yeah. there. And um, you'd say he's he's so quick. Uh, and so uh, fast. And, and when you're a good mover on the surface and you're mm. not slipping and stumbling and you're comfortable, it, it seems like that might be a strong point. But what else makes him good on this surface? I mean, you talk about he maybe he's a clay kind of player yeah. also. But no, he's well, he's a good clay player because he constructs points really well and he's very patient and he's a great he's got great footwork and he's a great mover. So they're things that work on clay. But on grass, he loves... Well, he's a bit shorter, so I suppose the lower bounce suits him. He plays quite flat, so his ball is good on grass. I think Nick Kyrgios yesterday said his ball is a nightmare on grass because it just shoots through. I think that's what Nick said about him. Um, and he has he has good hands, so he's good on grass. He's actually got quite good net instincts and volleys, and he returns great. So when the serves are coming quick on the grass, Alex has got a really quick eye and picks them up really well. So there are things about his game that translate really, really well to grass. And he's a junior finalist two years ago, so he's got history here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so yeah, yeah, he's got a game that adapts really well to all surfaces, but lots, lots of good things on grass. What is he saying, and what are you thinking about this upcoming showdown with Rafa? Against Rafa? Um, I mean, yeah, like it's, it's a David and Goliath battle, isn't it? I mean, look at just the size of their bodies. <laughs> it's so different and the, and the mm-hmm. disparity in experience. But he... I saw a lot of Alex play this Australian summer. I worked at the Sydney tournament where he made the final. And um, he's playing, and the crowds turned up to watch him because he was incredibly exciting. So there's like a 10,000-seat centre court there. It was packed for his last three matches. And he loved the electricity of the big stage and seemed to not shrink from it. He really was emboldened by it. I don't know where they're going to be scheduled but you would imagine Rafa will be on centre court or court yeah, one. So great. Alex is going to be on a big court. It's going to be um, great. It's going to be great. I think he'll really he'll really rise to the occasion. I don't think he's going to be too intimidated. I mean, there's definitely a bit of a disparity in power, but he does things that we talked about before that are tricky. He runs a lot of balls down, and this is not Rafa's favourite surface. And, um, yeah, another thing Nick said, Nick Kyrgios said in his press conference that Alex will make Rafa uncomfortable it remains to be seen how the match unfolds, but I think, yeah, he's got and he's got nothing to lose. He can go out there and just play. I think it's a wonderful chance for him. That's cool. And keep, and, and keep in mind, this is a teenager who was ranked yeah. two forty four this time last mm-hmm. year. He's probably he's. I think he's already going to be inside the top seventy now after yeah. this event. And mm-hmm. I guess if he pulls a shocker, he'll go oh a little bit higher. <laughs> I mean, this is the player to watch, not just yeah. for the. We've next got to keep round, it in perspective, but... obviously. But yes, yeah, look, it, it would be really exciting just to see him test himself against someone. That big, I don't think he's played any of the big four yet. Um, So, yeah, it'd be really cool. Before we get to Nick Kyrgios, uh, Mm because Kyrgios on grass... 
fantastic mm-hmm. thing to talk about, watch, whatever. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Leighton a little bit. He, mm-hmm. he played doubles, lost in the first round, but he's here, he's mentoring. He's got a huge role with Aussie tennis. Like, mm-hmm. how, how important is it and how excited are you guys to like have a guy like that being around mm-hmm. and, and just you know helping guy? I mean, I know he's had a role in Nick's career, so, mm-hmm. you know. He's got touch points in a lot of the boys' careers. They have a really close-knit team. Leighton is the Davis Cup captain in Australia, mm-hmm. and, um, and they have a really good culture around Davis Cup where the boys all want to play, and they all really support each other. Um, Leighton, having, with his vast amount of experience and his winning mentality, has got a lot of insights he can bring to those players, and they've often talked about how interesting, like how Leighton gives them confidence and positivity, um, has a lot of like, um, insights he can bring to their game, He's also very involved, like at qualifying um, the week before this tournament. Leighton's down there watching, supporting all the Australians, and there were a lot of them. There were eight men in um, the qualifying draw at Roehampton, and Leighton's down there. He's super involved. He's across what's going on. He supports them, and there's this real kind of, like, Aussie squad, I suppose. It's a real collective. So there's a good kind of, everyone's pushing each other, everyone's feeding off everyone's success, and he's, he's central to that. It's nice. And... Let's move on. Before we get to Nick, Matthew Ebden. Yeah. Another guy who's broken new ground here. Mm. Yeah, well, he's, and he's another one that's had an incredibly good grass call lead up. So, semis in Rosmarlin? So, Togenbosch? However you say that name. Both of them. Both right. of them. Um, and then the quarterfinals in Hala and pushed Federer in that match before he lost. He yeah. And so he's, and I think may have even made a challenger final on grass the week before. Great, great game on grass um, has grown up on that surface and he's serving and volleying a lot I've watched a bit of him on grass mm-hmm. and he's coming to the net he came to the net 63 times in oh. his win against Stefan Robert yesterday he served and volleyed like served and volleyed on match point so he's, mm-hmm. his game is a real old school grass court game but it's working cool. um, really well and he's, he's kind of flying under the radar but he's now I think on the live rankings he's almost up to 40 in the world now which is a career high for him he's discovered this real um, balance with his training and his physicality and his mentality. He's just turned 30, so he's been around for quite a while. Um, but all of the things that he's always kind of shown glimpses of are coming together a lot more consistently, and he feels really good. That's cool, yeah. I watched him practice the other day. Mm. He looked good with the serve and the volume. Yeah, he's every, it just, it's, a, it's a game perfect for grass, and um, he's just doing everything with like a minimum of fuss. The way he beat Goffin in the first round was just like Impressive. straight sets. Yeah. It was just so, it seemed really. Like he was in cruise control. He might be able to do it again. He's got Simone in the third round. He's we, got a, a the draw has opened up a little bit for him. So Simone's obviously very tricky, but yeah, I think Ebden is fancying himself. Yeah, and uh, um, and Nick Kyrgios has been solid. He's gotten through his two rounds. He's he's been broken mm-hmm. twice, but I don't think it, they were like the, you know breaks where he was in trouble. No, you know he's in. It's nice to see him back, really positive, mm-hmm. good health. He's matured yes. so much. I mean, you can go back to you know touch points in his career. Yeah. He's not all the way there in terms of being mature, and we saw a little bit of that in Queens where he played well but didn't behave so well. Mm. But he's in a really good space, and I think he's very dangerous, and we could, this could be some, some big stuff from him. Yeah. Well, um, and again, I sound like a broken record, but he comes in with his best grass court lead-up of... Well, yeah, back-to-back semis in um, Stuttgart and Queens. Push Roger really close in Stuttgart, push Chilich in Queens. Um, he it's the most he said that he's never won this many matches coming into Wimbledon before he's never had felt this good right. coming into Wimbledon. Finally his body is cooperating. That's just been an absolute battle for the first six months of this year since the Australian Open. He's just been, yeah, struggling. So he's finally feeling fitter and stronger. I and mean, when he has that confidence in his body, he doesn't have to worry about 
nursing injuries and managing anything and his serve can be free. I mean, the elbow injury, that can affect the serve, obviously. So with everything kind of feeling strong and sound physically, yeah, he can just do his thing. He's serving almost the best he has in his career. He's just... Which is saying... What did you say? He's been broken twice. Yeah, yeah, I was surprised that that he Yes, the surprise has been broken at all. But he's actually responded quite well when he gets broken. He's able to get the... he's, He's certainly returning quite well because he's been able to break serve himself. Um, yeah, he just... And he has a history here. He's made the quarterfinals. He broke out here four years ago when he beat Rafa on centre court. Yeah. And has made the fourth round two other years. So he knows how to get to the second week at Wimbledon. And with the draw opening up a little bit the way it has, um, mm-hmm. yeah, he's, he's... I'm not sure what he is with the bookies or what people are saying, but outside the top one or two... Yeah, I've got him there. Now, a lot of people are picking him as a real outside chance for the title. I feel that way. I mean, yeah. well, let's let's but one match at a time. Let's dial it back and say, Kenny Shikori, he's zero three against Nishikori. Is that correct? Uh, I didn't know the head to head actually. I, um, yeah, but he did. Yeah, that that sounds right. Different surfaces. But they haven't and played that, not, grass, not, haven't played in over two years, and I feel like yeah, on grass it's going to be a whole different ball game, and I expect yeah. I expect Nick to come through. Um, yeah, yeah, well, I, I mean, yes, he, he well, he's technically the highest seed. I know we know that Nishikori's been a solid top 10 player but at the moment he's the 24th seed he's mm-hmm. still finding his way back he was extremely impressive yesterday against Bernard Tomic because Tomic's a great grass quarter as well and had quite a good head-to-head record against Nishikori um, but this time yeah he, he played great um, but he struggled historically on grass um, yeah it'll be interesting to see how it goes but I think I think Nick's game on grass would match up quite well yeah, Nishikori. I think he can really take away a lot of the type of rhythm and stuff that Nishikori yeah, really definitely. Creates, so yeah, Nikia doesn't give his opponents any rhythm no. with that serve, and just um, and his the way he changes the pace and dynamics of the rallies, and he's a bit of an unorthodox shot maker. So that yeah, and he plays at a very quick pace. Um, yeah. I think he can make people feel really uncomfortable. Speaking of nightmares to face, he was mm-hmm. talking about Dimitrov as a nightmare. Um, and and you touched on Bernard. Pretty good effort from him. Is, yeah. is, he, is he going to come back to us? Is he going to come back to the well, world of centers? I mean, he's he's where where's Bernard ranked at the moment outside the top one hundred and fifty. We know that he doesn't belong there. He's a top, a solid top fifty, top thirty player in his in, at his best. Um, he's won a lot of matches lately, even on clay. He qualified for the French Open and made a challenger final on clay. He's just gotten back into the rhythm of winning matches because for a while he wasn't winning anything. Um, so he seems fit and motivated again. Um, that was a really physical match yesterday against Nishikori. That was four tough sets, mm-hmm. and Bernie looked good. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's just good. He's clearly back in. The, he's got the the passion back to play. It's nice. Uh, it is nice because you know he's a he's a great player. Um, and yeah, I just hope because the first six months of this this season and what happened last year was pretty sad. So it's good to see him back and competing and seemingly happier. For sure, and um, so. Tell our listeners what you've been working on this week, what they can what they can read from you, and also what what, what are you looking for in the days and days and days ahead. Days days ahead. How yeah. many days left? I'm I'm lost. God, what day is it? Day five? Day six? Day five. Day we're five. Yeah. <laughs> we're still very so very we're starting on the third round. Yeah. Um. So I suppose yeah, you can. Uh, my main focus has been the Australians, and we've had a, a lot of good things to write about. So we're doing a daily wrap of the Australians on tennis.com.au about how they're going and we're getting a chance to chat with all of them which is which is great today's a quieter day we don't have an Australian playing in singles but tomorrow we'll have five and hopefully some can go further so that's certainly keeping me busy mm-hmm. um, and, and other other stuff you can read is um, our website Tennis Smash so we're also covering you know the, the world game not just focusing on the Australians there so 
today I'm very interested to see um, Serena play Mladenovic. I think that's oh, quite... Yeah. yeah, I've got my eye on that one. I think that's really interesting. They played that great match at the French Open, I think, two years ago. Yeah, with... A very dramatic tiebreaker. And didn't the, didn't the power go out and so the world feed cut off and there was some... <laughs> I remember, have this memory that you couldn't watch the match using the normal kind of cameras, they were restricted to this one little camera that was stuck up at the back of the stands oh, or something. Yeah. So that added yes. to the drama of it. But I think, yeah, Kiki, she's former top 10 as well. She's unseated here. But um, I, I think she's yeah, a nice grass court player. It'll be really interesting to see Serena have to lift, lift her level against a better opposition today. Um, Serena's been great. So, yeah, I'm, just, I'm really interested watching her. Um, she's seated 25th, but obviously has her her history here and her mm-hmm. and her... CV, and of course. Uh, yeah, it's just great to see her back competing. I've missed it. It is. It's nice. Yeah, and playing her first Wimbledon as a mother. It, yeah, there's something yeah. nice about that story as well. Really nice. And I, I watched her match against Tom Over the, um, in the second round, and um, she's moving and hitting the ball so clean, and it's just amazing that she can find her level so quickly after she's barely played. It's just amazing she doesn't seem to need a huge amount of matches. No. She hasn't played a competitive match since her injury at the French Open, and she just looks like she's never been away. I think it's amazing. It's hard to fathom. I think I think Roger Federer does that well on the men's yes. side too. That these two, um, maybe it's no, no, maybe it's no surprise that they have forty three majors. Yes, she's okay, Matt. Well, thank you very much. I hope we get to do this again. Yeah, and, uh, thanks for having me. Good luck to the Aussies, and uh, we'll see you down the road. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, Chris. That's going to be a wrap on this edition of the Lucky Let Cord podcast. Special thanks to Matt Trelope for joining us. You can follow him on Twitter at capital M-A-T-T-Y, capital A, capital T, at Matty A-T on Twitter. Thanks for joining us, Matt, and enjoy the tennis today. Day six of Wimbledon promises to be brilliant. We'll see you next time on the Lucky Let Cord podcast. <laughs>